Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Grow a Soul. Today's episode is just me and I'm going to talk to you about a question I've had about four times in the last two weeks, which is how do you get your first client? And that is such a loaded question as it's not just about acquisition strategies, but also navigating the emotional roller coaster of starting out. And even if you've booked clients before or you're not a service-based business, there will still be lots in this episode for you. So what we're going to go over is all the different types of acquisition that you can do in any business and tell you the story of booking my own first client and also give you some mantras to think about when you're feeling stuck. So let's get stuck in. First of all, we need to think about what kind of marketing we're actually doing here. So there's three types of job, three key jobs that marketing does in any business. And those are acquisition, conversion and retention. So what are each of those? Acquisition is acquiring new customers. So bringing in brand new people who've never heard of you before and bringing them kind of into your world, into your orbit, so they can know what you're all about and get to know you and start to move towards a point where they might want to purchase. Which brings us on to conversion. Conversion is converting somebody who is not a customer into a customer, I guess is the easiest way of saying it. That's the point at which you're making the sale. And then retention is after you've made that sale, it's retaining that customer, keeping them aware of you and getting them to come back and buy again. And so all the different activities that we talk about in marketing, where we tend to actually talk about them all at the same time, was actually the different activities really correspond most strongly to doing one of those three jobs the best. So for something like acquisition, it's advertising is the most obvious form of acquisition. Also things like certain ways that you're doing social media, your SEO, all that kind of stuff, they are acquisition activities. Conversion is your content marketing, so your blog posts and your sales copy, certain types of social media so say for example doing a live on your course that's going to be going on sale that would be a kind of conversion type of activity then retention generally is email marketing but email does do conversion as well but very much email marketing is your retention so when you're sending out newsletters you're keeping people aware of what you do and getting them to come back in bigger businesses something like loyalty schemes are the main kind of retention as well. So I've got a blog post about retention actually, which I'll put in the show notes, but maybe I should do a blog post on the other two because I haven't yet, which is a good idea. Anyway, I'm thinking aloud. So there are your three types of job that your marketing activities have to do. Different activities do go across all three, but really some are stronger on other things than others. So we're going to focus today on acquisition because when you want to get a new client, you need to acquire them. Particularly if you're starting from zero, acquisition is what you need because you don't already have a pool of retained customers 
to pull from. So one thing before we really start to dig into different methods of acquisition is the theory of the seven contacts. I will look up where this actually came from and see if I can stick it in the show notes. But this was something that was in an old job of mine where I worked for a recruitment company and the sales team were always told about this seven contacts rule, which is a piece of research that showed that when you're thinking of buying something, you need seven contacts with the person that you're buying from before you're kind of built enough trust and you're ready to buy. So those seven contacts can happen quickly or they can happen slowly, but you need to have had more than one contact if you're going to buy from somebody who's brand new. So this is something to bear in mind as I talk through acquisition that you need to also be building up all these contacts before somebody will buy. So that's something to bear in mind is how many different contacts can you be having. So different methods of acquisition. First of all, there are no rights or wrongs in this. There is no, this is the right way to acquire new customers and don't use any of the other ways because otherwise I wouldn't be talking about them all. And really, this is a very individual thing and it's all about your individual strengths. So you need to lean into what you're best at in order to choose the right kind of acquisition or combination of acquisition strategies for your business. So before you act on this, really actually think about yourself and the things that you're best at maybe make a physical list of your skills so are you a really great writer are you really great in person are you best at writing emails are you the one in the office everybody always gets to write their tricky emails for them are you good at connection and collaboration are you better on your own being more of a a quiet broadcaster than somebody who's more one-on-one so really think about you as a communicator and where you best show up because that's the thing that you need to lean into if you're going to have the best acquisition strategy. So as I said, absolutely no rights or wrongs, just what you're best at. Okay, so the first method of acquisition, which is probably the most traditional one, is what we would call in B2B marketing business development. So This is the one that generally gives people the creeps and is the one that people don't want to do. But I'm going to talk about it anyway because I've got an example. So business development is what you might think of as being cold calling and pitching. So that's approaching individuals that need what you do and asking them if they want to work with you, essentially. So this generally is a method that service-based businesses use. So when, as I said, in that recruitment company that I worked for, this was a huge thing of the sales team's job was doing business development, going out after companies to try and get them to use us to hire their jobs. So it's more traditionally salesy than it is marketing. This is the kind of activity that marketing would support with materials rather than take the lead on. So I get that it feels probably pretty gross to a lot of you and this is not something that I've done because it doesn't play to my own strengths. I'm not good at going out and selling. I'm not good at one-to-one communication like this so it's not something that I've done is to go out and cold email or get in touch with people and say hey do you want to work together that's just not my wheelhouse not my strength however I have got clients for whom this has been really really successful and I think that's because they haven't thought of it in these terms 
I think when you say the word cold calling, we all immediately hunch up and go, oh, no, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. But actually the key to being great at business development is really standing behind what you do and really knowing that it's valuable to the person that you are pitching to. So a client of mine realised that her strength has always been through her professional life, doing presentations, chatting to people, going into businesses and just like having a chat and talking about what she does. And so she made that the heart of what she was doing. She wanted to get has some quick wins, some workshops locally to her so that she could start to gain some income and also to be known locally for what she does. So she did, she went into studios and she went into cafes and she went into centres which were all on brand for her and she just asked them if she could do a workshop with them. And really that's what business development is, it's nothing more greasy or horrible than that as long as you are really standing behind what you do. So Although you might be cringing at the idea of, when I say cold calling, actually if you are somebody who is really charming in real life, great at making small talk, making people feel comfortable in your presence, then this might be something to do because you can go out and speak to people and convince them one-on-one rather than trying to get them to read your content and convince them through that. So that's the first type, is that traditional business development. The second type, which is more so for product-based businesses, but definitely works for service-based too, is ads and offers. So advertising, as I said, is really classic acquisitional activity, especially now with online advertising. It's so much more traceable and trackable. You can get so much more refined with it than you can with things like press or TV, that it is a much more effective type of acquisition than it probably ever was and similar with offers so very often offers and ads go hand in hand because if you want to be attracting new people from the colder place of an advert you need to have an offer to entice them in so they go together like that so as I said they're very trackable especially if you are a product-based business and you need more volume than a service-based business they're really good for getting you a couple of peaks when you need it However, it's not always the most engaged customers that you're acquiring, particularly with offers. So we very often see this with people who have got Facebook groups or they do it on Instagram where they host a giveaway or an offer, but you have to join the group or follow them on Instagram in order to get it, which gets them short term, some people joining their group, but long term, not a lot of people engaging with the group, engaging with the brand because they were just there for their 10% discount and then left. So it's really with that one thinking about what you need, that's much more of a short-term solution than for somebody who wants to be building an engaged audience going forward, which is why I said for service-based businesses, it's not always great because you're not getting those engaged people through, which is what you want to be building as a pool of engaged people. So an example for this in my business is that I offered a couple of free calls for people and the people that I got onto the calls were people who could never invest in coaching because that's why they wanted a free call which is absolutely fair enough and I was more than happy to do it but in terms of a strategy of acquiring new clients it didn't work very well (laughs) because everybody just wanted the free call and then they were happy so that's something to think about particularly if you're service-based. 
Thirdly, we've got outreach or PR as it's always known. So I've got a blog post called What is Outreach and Why Do You Need It on the blog, which was quite a recent one. So you if you're intrigued in that, that's a really good kind of piece of secondary reading for you. So I worked with a PR company in a previous job role and they called it outreach actually because it isn't just traditional public relations anymore. It is about reaching out into lots of different places into the content ecosystem of your customer to be visible there. So the best things about outreach are that it helps you to piggyback on another person's reputation or publication's reputation. So if you go onto a really high charting podcast, then you as the guest are kind of having a bit of the reputation of that podcast and the host rub off on you, especially in terms of the listeners who are obviously fans of that podcast. And similarly with press, if you are featured in Vogue, then obviously it goes without saying that you're incredibly chic. And so the the reputation of the place really rubs off on you and puts you in a good light with the new people who are finding you there. Secondly, it's more organic than something like business development and advertising. So people are finding you naturally through their everyday content consumption. They open a paper and you're in there. They plug in their favourite podcast and you're there. They look at their favourite blog and you're there. It's happening very organically so that it's not you disrupting them with your ad or your cold email, but just being there present in their life. It also really helps you to own your expertise. So particularly with things like podcasts, I mean, you've got an hour to talk to people about what you do. Where else in the whole world do you ever get to do that? And certainly not in in press PR. So if you're pitching to be in an article, you might get a couple of sentences. With a blogger, it's similar, a couple of sentences. You don't get an hour to really just go through everything that you stand for and, and essentially sell what you do. And the other great thing about outreach, which the other options don't do as much is it closes down those seven contacts that I mentioned at the beginning. So as I said, everybody needs to have seven contacts with a new business before they're willing to buy from them. So if you're doing outreach and as I said, you're there on a podcast, you are in a magazine, they see you mentioned on Instagram by one of their friends, they sign up to your mailing list. So What outreach does is it really closes those down. It gives you so many different opportunities to have those seven contacts that aren't just relying on people following you on Instagram or being on your mailing list or anything like that. So it's really great for that. And so for a bit of context, outreach has been a real focus for me this year. I set myself a goal at the beginning of the year to have one piece of coverage go live every month and sort of manage that you know I've had some months where I haven't and then some months where I've had two so it's more or less balanced out and actually I can track 36% of my income this year to people directly having found me via a piece of outreach that I've done and the actual number is probably higher than that because there are some people who don't say where they found me or it's a lot more holistic so it might have been that they followed me on Instagram but didn't really engage but then heard me on a podcast and then came over and and decided to buy so it's a, a, a lot more holistic acquisition strategy outreach which is the downside with it really is that unlike ads where you can 
put out a piece of content, pay for it, and then see how many people came over and how many of those bought. It is a lot more, I don't want to say woo because it's not woo, but it's a lot less traceable than other types of acquisition. It's putting something out into a magazine and then seeing if people come over and remember you. But also it's not just about acquisition, it's about brand building as well. So somebody might see you in that magazine and then six months to a year later, remember you and then buy, but you'd never be able to track it from that very first magazine feature. So it's difficult in that respect, which is why I wouldn't ever use it just on its own because it can take a long time for results to come back to you and you can't always see whether the results are working or not. I'll give another example of that when I tell the story of how I got my first client and you can see how everything goes together. Okay, and then the last method of acquisition, I mean, there's probably millions more, but these are really the key, most obvious and accessible ones. So the last one I'm going to talk about is community building. So this is your content marketing, your social marketing, and really putting stuff out there into the internet, into the world, and using that to become a magnet to draw people to you and create a pool to sell to. Now, this takes longer, but it's generally the most accessible way to do it and generally the way that most of my clients work because they are not people who feel confident doing business development or have the resources in which to invest in ads. So this is the most organic form of marketing and it's about creating valuable, rich, inspirational content, being clever about how you put it out into the world and getting in front of the right people so that you start to create a community around you who will then not only buy from you but recommend you and refer you and all that sort of thing. So this is very much my focus in my business. Is this an outreach? It's a kind of, as I said in a, a previous podcast with Ellen, this is my marketing strategy, is a content and outreach strategy. And I know it works because I booked a client who said that she heard of me because somebody recommended me in a Facebook group and I knew that nobody I had worked with was a member of that particular group. So that means that's just somebody who followed me, somebody who enjoyed my content was recommending me as a coach based on the strength of my content, which is totally amazing, but just shows that when you're doing this consistently and you're doing it well it can be fingers for you it can really extend your reach in ways that you can't even really imagine so that is very often the focus of a lot of people that you probably look up to and that you follow and probably businesses that you buy from as well so this brings me on to the story of how I got my first client so when I first launched my services I think I had around 4,000 Instagram followers and I remember thinking that it was a (laughs) shoo-in because God, look, if only 1% of those 4,000 had booked me, I'd be great. I'd be grand. If 10% booked me, then I'd be overbooked. So I was pretty confident that I was going to be fine. And then obviously none of them did book me. because they didn't know me yet as somebody who could do this work. I hadn't done, created any content about it. I hadn't spoken about it. I hadn't, they had absolutely no way of knowing whether I was somebody worth investing in. 
So what I started to work on was my outreach and my content. So I was putting blog posts into the world, which were all about marketing, all about personal development. I did a speaking gig at Blocktacular that year. And I was building my newsletter list with putting out loads of free resources for people to join the newsletter list. As a result of my speaking at Blogtacular, I got asked to go on a podcast, which was my first podcast. I think it was my first, it might have been my second. (laughs) I'd also pitched to be on other podcasts as well, which hadn't always gone down well. I think I'd been on one and then I did the second podcast, which was Sassy's. And so that was a really great opportunity for me at that time. So that was where I was three months after launching. I had no clients. I'd been on two podcasts. I'd been blogging consistently a couple of times a week. I'd been Instagramming consistently, probably daily at that stage. And I was sending out newsletters. But still nobody who's booking me. Nobody who I Instagram knew, in inverted commas, had really shown much interest. They were really engaging with the content, but not in the services. And then it was out of the blue that I got an email from somebody I'd never heard of before. And she had heard me on Sass's podcast. She'd then come and read my content, quietly followed me on Instagram, had never commented, never messaged, never done anything like that, but just quietly watched me. And she'd signed up to my mailing list and got one of my opt-ins, which had some exercises in it for her to do. And all those things combined got her to the point at which she was happy to invest in me. And so then that's the point that she got in touch. So you can see through that story, all those different things combining. So it started with the outreach, because she heard me on somebody else's podcast. But then that wasn't enough to make the decision because she needed all those other contacts. So she consumed the content that I was putting out there, became quietly part of the community. She stuck around. She signed up to the newsletter list. She got proof through the opt-in, through the emails, through the content that I could do what I was doing. And that got her to the point where she was happy to invest. So that's what I mean about becoming a magnet. That was very much my approach. And then actually following that, my second and third clients also similarly weren't people who I saw on Instagram every day. They weren't people who I Instagram knew. And they similarly found me either via podcast or via Instagram, but they weren't necessarily active or people that I knew, but they, they discovered me after I'd changed to being a marketer and not just an Instagrammer and a blogger. So I think that's the interesting thing for you to take away is that if you're waiting for your first client, they might not have even found you yet. And so it's really thinking, especially if you have changed from being one thing to another, whilst you're educating your existing audience, you need to think about building a new one because it takes longer to change somebody's mind, to change that first impression than it is to make a new one. So if you are in that position, starting to think about how you can attract brand new people to that pool, that pool of your community is a really good thing to think about. That sort of brings us also onto the emotional roller coaster. And one thing that I want to pick up that I just talked about in terms of how I got my first client is about the silent watchers. And you have got so many silent watchers. I absolutely promise you that. There are always so many more people who are watching you, who are looking at what you do, 
but saying nothing than there are than the ones who are saying something. So even if you feel like you're not getting a lot of engagement or you're not getting a lot of people reading your blog, there are people there. They're just not talking to you yet because people don't always. You think about extroverts and introverts and all the different people in the world. Not everybody is going to come up to you. They're not going to be all the type of people who can do business development. They're all going to be the people who sit at the back and consume and then wait and wait and wait and then they're ready. So don't lose heart if you're feeling like you're not making an impact because you are, they're just not telling you that you're making an impact on them yet. And so you have to keep showing up, keep being consistent, keep putting your content out there because there are people who are watching and they're waiting for it and they're gonna notice the moment that you stop. And in that moment, you're gonna show them that you're not somebody who can consistently show up and you're gonna cause doubt in your silent watchers so you've just got to consistently keep going keep going because it's the silent watchers who will convert quicker so maybe that's something to think about is if you are feeling like you're banging your head against a brick wall and you're just talking to that wall and nobody else maybe in your next caption acknowledge the silent watchers invite them to participate invite them to do something else but just know that they're there because i promise you that they are so as well as that I really would encourage you to get some support for this emotional roller coaster. That was something that I had during this period, which I've spoken about before, that I was working with my coach, Jen Carrington, at the time. So it was good to have the fortnightly calls with her because over the course of the fortnight, I'd start to get more and more panicked and more and more desperate. And then when I spoke to her, I was able to remember that I was doing the right thing and to get back on track. So if you can have even if not a coach, a peer support that you can check in with, a business bestie, a real life bestie, anybody who can just keep you on track and telling you that you're doing the right thing is really important. And not to panic, particularly if you are doing a community building strategy or an outreach strategy, you've chosen that because that plays to your strengths, but also they are the strategies that take longer to pay off. So you just have to know that it's doing the right things But this is just the things that take longer to pay off. So you can't expect immediate, immediate results. And if you do want that, then try something like business development. So maybe if you are getting a bit desperate financially, then try setting up a workshop at a, say, a yoga studio in your town. They can promote it for you and just so you can get that income coming through. The other thing to do is to stand behind your product. It is so easy when you feel like you're not making waves, you're not getting traction, to think that it's not the right product and to change it quickly, but you've really got to stand behind it because the more that you change, those silent watchers are going to be like, well, what's even going on here? I was going to invest in that and now I can't. So stand behind your product. If you believe in it and you know it's the right thing to do, then you've just got to, you've got to continue to believe in it and talk about it as if you do believe in it. Having said that, however, you've got to give yourself a time limit on that. Because, yes, it's not realistic that in a year from now, you can't still not be booked out. So if it's not working, rather than panic, rather than get desperate, really investigate. You've got to try and be as objective in this as you can. Because the moment you get subjective, you lose it. You begin to give in to the bad voices in your head and you can't make the right decision. So if it's not working, if it's been several months and you've not had any sort of sniff of anything, then start to investigate why that might be. 
So I had a client who put some services on sale and she was writing about them. She was talking about them on Instagram. She was doing all the right things. But after a couple of months, there hadn't been any sort of interest and she was getting to a point where she really needed something to happen. And so we investigated what it was that was really the problem. So what you have to decide, is it the concept that's wrong or is it the format? that's wrong because there's two very different solutions to those if it's the concept then you've got to go right back to the drawing board if it's just the format then you just need to shift it slightly so with my client we had two actually different options to that so rather than just go oh it's not working I'm going to take it all off it's like let's ask people why this isn't responding to them and let's analyze your traffic so we worked out that a lot of her traffic's coming from Pinterest and with Pinterest you get a lot of volume not as much engagement So it's not surprising that one-to-one services weren't doing so well because the traffic coming through wants more instant fixes than that. So we decided to change the format of the service from a one-to-one to to workbooks that people coming from Pinterest can buy for a couple of pounds and drive volume through that. And then on the other side, because she still wanted to work with people one-to-one, we changed the concept. So we thought the concept of what she was doing wasn't quite right because it was more of an optional purchase so something for themselves rather than something from their business and we changed that around so that it was more of a business-based service so that people could justify it better because that was the feedback that she got and so that's the way to kind of focus on that is not to go it's not working I'm changing it all I'm going back to my day job investigate be objective and work out whether it's the concept or the format and change that thing But ultimately, just don't panic. It's all within your power. There's nothing that you're doing that's wrong. There's just things that perhaps aren't the most efficient or the most effective. So just investigate, change, test, and do all those things. As you heard from my story, I was doing things that weren't going as well, so then I changed them up. And that's absolutely fine. You've got to react as well as proact. So in conclusion, it's really thinking about what is the job, getting really clear on this objective and having that for a period of time. So if you are in the position where you are starting from zero, it's thinking about what is my job for the next few months. My job for the next few months is being really visible for new people to come and find out what I do. Maybe if you already have a pool but they're not as engaged, my job is being present and re-engaging people with me. So get really focused on what that objective is and then look at the method of acquisition that suits you best, that's gonna help you to do that job to the best of your abilities. So think about your strengths, lean into what you're best at and find a combination of strategies that's gonna really work for you. Whether that is content and outreach, whether it's putting out ads or whether it's doing some business development alongside your community building find the combination that's really going to work best for you and don't panic stand behind your product get support and think about the silent watchers and that's that So I'm actually now taking a break from the podcast for a month through December when everyone's too busy to listen to podcasts anyway, I figured. But if you still need your podcast fix, you can go over to the press page on my website where there's a list of other podcasts that I've been on and all of them are well worth your time. 
But in the meantime, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating or review there in your podcast app and share this episode online and with friends that you have that might just be starting out. And until next time, I hope you grow with song.